Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To anyone new here, a warm welcome to my loyal subs. Hi there, hope you're doing great. Let me just ask that if you find you enjoyed the video or you learned something from it, do me a favor, take the effort, smash the like button, and consider subscribing. And if you enjoy the work I do and you want to keep me here on the YouTube streets, please consider a Patreon membership. I'll leave a link to it in the description. Now let's dig in. Today I want to fill in the background story on Karen Vergata. She's the 34-year-old woman whose remains were found along Ocean Parkway and were finally identified by the Suffolk County District Attorney last week. I want to tell you as much as I can about who she was and the circumstances surrounding her disappearance. I also want to talk about just how many serial killers have been operating out of Long Island over the past two to three decades and who were all harming the same type of victims. Female escort. We'll start with Karen Vergata. Back when Karen was 34, she lived at West 45th Street in Manhattan and is believed to have been working as an escort. The pretty brunette went missing around February 14, 1996. Yep, right around Valentine's Day, which seems sort of suspicious to me because most people, I would think even escorts, usually would be with their significant others on that day, unless, of course, they didn't have one. Two months after Karen's disappearance, on April 20th, 1996, her legs were found in a plastic bag at Davis Park on the base side of Fire Island's Blue Point Beach. At that time, all the police would say and could say was that the legs belonged to a white woman and that she showed scars consistent with ankle surgery on her left ankle. No one had reported Vergata missing, even though she'd wished her father a happy birthday before Valentine's Day, so her family probably didn't think twice, even if they heard about these legs being found in the area. Now, Karen's skull was found many years later on April 11th of 2011 in a different location. The skull was in the marshes along Ocean Parkway. This clearly illustrates how long a body, or pieces of a body, can go unseen and unnoticed in a place like the tough-to-navigate brush and reed-covered marshes adjacent to all those beaches in Long Island. Most people don't attempt to hike through such difficult and inhospitable terrain. You'd practically need a machete to cut through the rough and tumble bramble there. Note that Vergata's torso and her hands have yet to be found. It wasn't until October of 2022, 26 years after Vergata's disappearance, that her two sets of remains were finally linked by DNA analysis to one person 
And that person was identified as Karen Vergada, and that is thanks to genetic genealogy. A relative's DNA was finally matched to Karen. Although the Suffolk County District Attorney says that Vergada's immediate relatives were notified of her death and her remains being identified prior to the press conference last week, Vergada's biological sons allegedly did not receive word of the discovery prior to the presser, nor did Vergata's stepmother. Karen's now 32-year-old son, Eric, was reportedly distraught when he was reached by phone last Friday afternoon and told the news. His girlfriend, Michelle Nolan, told the New York Post that Eric had just thought all these years that his mom was missing. He had no idea of what had really happened to her. Eric's older brother, Gary, doesn't yet know, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. Eric and Gary are Karen Vergata's sons by a man named Gunther Lynn, but the two boys were adopted in 1992 when they were young children by Edward and Diane Doherty. That was four years before Karen went missing. Apparently, the boy's adoptive mother was contacted, and so she was the person who let Eric know that their biological mom had been harmed by some evil monster back in 1996. I mean, she probably didn't use those words, but she had to explain the circumstances of how Karen was found, that she was dismembered, that she was missing for all those years and nobody reported her missing. And as I said earlier, it's also been reported that Karen's stepmother, a woman who married her father, Dominic, in 1983, and whose name is Virginia Breen Vergata, was also not notified by the police. Note that Karen's father died on December 22nd of 2022, so he wasn't able to hear the news about what happened to Karen and about her finally being identified. And maybe that was a blessing because I would imagine it would be deeply upsetting to hear that your daughter died back in 1996 and that her body was dismembered. Karen's father, Dominic's obituary, read, quote, Beloved husband of Virginia, loving father of Victor J. Vergata, the late Karen Vergata, and stepfather of Brenda Breen, Mark Breen and Eileen, and Carrie Breen, cherished grandfather of Sheila and Fiona. He's also survived by many nieces, nephews, and cousins, end quote. So let's talk a little bit more about Karen. Tragically, she was struck by a truck when she was pregnant with her baby boy, Gary, in the late 1980s. Sadly, Gary, who's now 34 years old, was born with cerebral palsy as a result of the accident. So sad. He now lives in a care home for adults with special needs, and he's not yet aware of his mother's death. I'm assuming that they didn't want to upset him. Guys, these stories are so gut-wrenching. I'm reminded daily of how hard life can be for so many people. We all have problems, but some of these stories just seem so sad. Karen's stepsister, Brenda Breen, told the New York Post that news of Karen's body being identified was, quote, kind of a shock. I'm glad that she's found at least most of her. I'm going to interject here. I don't think she meant to be funny or disrespectful with that last statement. Brenda also said this, it was okay, now we know what happened. 
end quote. Brenda said that she had assumed that Karen was dead, but she wondered what happened to her. Apparently, Karen had a habit of not being in contact with her relatives, another reason kids to call your parents. And in fact, Brenda said no one in the family had heard from Karen in 20 years. It turns out that Brenda really didn't know Karen very well. Apparently, her mom married Vergata's father, Dominic, in 1983. Brenda said, quote, By the time her dad and my mom got married, we were all grown and out of the house, end quote. So Brenda only saw Karen when her mother married Dominic, and then on a few holidays, when Karen came home for dinner. Brenda said that her stepfather, Dominic, never really talked about Karen's disappearance and that he donated DNA years ago when the family hired a private investigator. According to online records, Dominic filed to have his daughter, Karen, declared legally dead in 2017. I find this also strange because from everything I've read, the police have said no one reported Karen missing. You'd think that Dominic would have reported her missing back when he first noticed, or at least a few years after that. So far, the only other detail we know about Karen is that she graduated from North Shore High School in Glen Head, New York, and this apparently was and is a very good school. I say that because Newsweek ranked North Shore as the 336th best public school in the country, and in 2021, the school was recognized as a national blue ribbon school in the exemplary high-performing category. Kudos to that school. Both the teachers and the students and the parents. Back when Karen attended that school, it had an open campus policy where students were allowed to leave campus during lunch and other free periods. That's exactly how my high school operated, and I can tell you that many students would head out into the woods behind the school to smoke pot, and back then, pot was not legal. That was pretty much de rigueur back in the day at my high school. I am not copying to anything right here. If I did it, I didn't inhale. I'm just goofing around here. I am not condoning any of this. That's it thus far for what is known about Karen Vergata, her disappearance, and her life. The question now is, could alleged killer Rex Heuerman be responsible for Karen's death? I mean, it could have been Heuerman, right? If he used a different modus operandi or MO at that time. We know three of the Gilgo Beach four victims were found bound and wrapped in camouflage print burlap. Their bodies were intact. Experts say that some serialists have been known to change their M.O. over time as they refine their skills. So it's possible. And we know Heuerman was employed as a seasonal maintenance worker on Jones Beach back in the 1980s. He lived in the same house in Massapequa Park back then that his family lives in today. Thus, Heuerman was in the area where both sets of Vergata's remains were found. Remember, legs and feet in Fire Island and skull along Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach. But that could just be a coincidence. Scarily. Is that a word? Scarily? Other serialists were operating in both Suffolk and Nassau counties in Long Island for two decades. An article from 
April 9th of 2011 in the New York Times entitled Why So Many Serial Killers in Long Island said that three serial killers who targeted the same victims, young women working as escorts, have operated in the same suburbs of Long Island over the span of 22 years. Thus, we have two other guys, in addition to Rex Hewerman, if he's guilty, who were targeting young female escorts. So we can't just assume that Rex Hewerman is responsible for every young escort whose body was found somewhere on Long Island. Again, this article was written in 2011, well before Rex Hewerman was identified as a potential serialist, and also before Shannon Gilbert's remains were found and identified. The article said this about the three serialists. Since 1989, when the first victim was killed, the three have been active in Long Island's two counties, Suffolk and Nassau, in apparently unrelated cases. Joel Rifkin, a 34-year-old unemployed landscaper from East Meadow, confessed to doing in 17 women who he said were prostitutes following his arrest in 1993. Robert Schulman, a 42-year-old postal worker, this takes going postal to a whole new level, from Hicksville, was convicted of doing in five prostitutes after he was arrested in 1996. The third killer has yet to be apprehended, but the police know that he or she exists. The the bodies of eight people, at least four of them female prostitutes, have been found in the thick brush near a Suffolk County beach since December, end quote. So again, that article was written in April of 2011, so the third offender may actually be two other serial killers that the New York Times in 2011 didn't know about. We've got Rex Hewerman, right? We also have a married carpenter named John Bitroff. In July of 2014, three years after this article was written, Bitroff was charged with the deaths of two escorts, Rita Tangretti and Colleen McNamee. He's also suspected of doing in a third woman, Sandra Castilla. Bitroff was found guilty of two counts of second-degree murder in 2017, and he was sentenced to 50 years in prison. And we now know that architect Rex Hewerman is believed to be responsible for likely three, and probably four, of the sets of remains found on Gilgo Beach, the Gilgo Beach Four. So far, the authorities have not said they suspect Hewerman is also responsible for doing in the other victim, whose remains were also located along the same stretch of Ocean Parkway as the Gilgo Four. We know about these four scary dudes. Could there also be a fifth who might have committed the other crimes against the Asian male, the torso belonging to Peaches and Peaches' toddler daughter? Or is one of those four other guys responsible for those bodies and he is not fessing up? But why are there so many in Long Island? And what I mean is so many serial killers. It turns out Long Island isn't the only area to have multiple perpetrators of this ilk operating at the same time. Beginning in the early 1980s, at least five monsters like this were terrorizing the South Los Angeles area. Some experts say 
this is just a fluke of geography. Others say it's an illusion and that other cities and regions could have just as many serialists in their midst at any given time, and it's just that they haven't been caught yet. A guy named Scott Bunn, a researcher who studies this stuff, told the New York Times that serialists often prefer to live in densely populated areas, and that's because they have easy access to potential victims and an abundance of potential victims. Thus, it should not come as a surprise that four of these guys turned up over the decades in Long Island, a place with a population of more than 7 million people in 2019. There's probably more living there now. One of Nassau County's district attorneys back in 2011 who prosecuted Joel Rifkin, said the many serialists in Long Island is just an anomaly. And then a former New York Police Department homicide commander named Vernon J. Geberth, who was also interviewed in 2011, said that popular culture, not the locale, was to blame. Geberth said, quote, I think that people fail to realize that we have more serial murders today than ever before. We've taken the most reprehensible members of society and given them star status. We've raised a generation of psychopaths. As a result, we have an increase in serial murder, end quote. So there you go. I'll allow you to chew on that for a little bit, and I'll see you next time on bed crime stories. Now you know the drill. Smash that like button, consider a Patreon membership, and I'll see you next time.